Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr in Kells River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis. And the crisis is deepening in strange ways around the world. Uh, but I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you doing today, sir? Hi, Lindsay. Um, I'm doing um, okay. I said I was a bit tired early on because I've had funeral duties since yesterday, um, which was both um, uh, enriching because, you know, of, of what one has learned through it. On the other hand, there were some hidden issues that I had to also deal with in my, my emotions and my mind, not personally from my side, but the context itself. But it turned out to be okay. Um, and so I'm sort of in the, 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 the mind change of preparing for my personal journey through an operation the week coming mm. and COVID testing. So that has sort of uh, hogged, hogged my mind a little bit. Somebody asked me early on, are you ready? Are you prepared? So I asked, uh, are we ever ready to accept this kind of um, evasiveness Necessary evasiveness, but I think psychologically it does. I mean, I, I, I have to think about it. Um, uh, but I'm in, a, I'm in a gentle space with myself. Uh, okay. They say you must be gentle with yourself. They yeah, say absolutely. we are too hard on ourselves right now. Um, we must be kind. Although there are people who will say that's not the greatest way to approach um, life, or at least it, it's oversimplification. But that's enough of the semantics of modern life and modern mental health trends. We are, of course, talking about Lent, the Lenten journey of the church, Christians, the first Sunday in Lent. What's the general theme for this Lenten season in St. George's? The theme that I've chosen comes from a book that was written by Hari Nawan called Listening to the Inner Voice. And uh, there are sub-themes that will, uh, will be there um, that would give us a sense of what, um, you know, listening to the inner self is. And um, so for the next five weeks going towards Palm Sunday, um, we, we will be... Uh, focusing on on sub themes to that particular theme. Uh, it's 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 not long chapters of a book. Mm. It is um, short chapters uh, that just deal specifically with themes that are related to um, to to Nawan's, um kind of thinking. Yeah. Uh, Nawan was was quite a deep um, person in terms of his spiritual journey, and I think you know he made for me he makes the point about unless you have the inward where it should be, uh, and you're dealing with it you know attractively, then then your outside world and and your your approach to the outside world and your and your responses will be skewed, um, will not be as as authentic 
mm. as you could be. So the theme is the inner voice of love, a journey through anguish to freedom. And on the first week, we will be dealing with work around your abyss. Now, that's quite a deep um, thing, you know, right? In the depth of your being, mm. work around mm. your abyss and that. And I've, I've seen it, um, um, uh, scripture readings as a text to it. The second week will be trust the inner voice. The third week is keep living where God is. And the next week will be keep trusting God's call. And the last week is live your wounds through. And I've got various scripture readings that, but there's so much more in the book itself, so much other chapters. So I took selected um, uh, chap readings from these, from mm. this. So um, Lent is that, that inner journey. The very first week, we're going to start with Jesus having to be challenged about whether he understands who he is, his identity. Um, and what was informing him, if we look at the human Jesus, what was informing him was the presence of the spirit as well as the uh, the fact that he had grown up learning scripture mm. and seeking its meaning. So I think that's for me how we are informed. What are we being informed by as we make our approaches to the world? through engagement and through engagement, how we respond to the world after hearing what the world's response to our approaching is. Mm. So the the theme as you have selected, like for, for this first Sunday in Lent is Jesus full of the Holy Spirit who turned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And I'm just uh, reflecting on, on this idea of being led by the Spirit, as you are now saying that, um, the first two weeks is about like trusting the inner voice, um, confronting like your abyss, uh, all those sorts of things. We spoke uh, just off air about my personal abyss, <laughs> which is my yeah. my crushing um, sense of of uh, imposter syndrome. Um, uh, but just just talk me through this idea that Jesus can go into the wilderness and experience doubt in his own self because that that's kind of what i get from this idea of being led by the spirit and even in the the quotes from um, pope francis uh that that you place here it's like let yourselves be led by the holy spirit it's almost like there's there's a distrust of the voices inside you well you know i don't know if you read my mind as i was waiting to start this thing because i was for the first time uh, thinking about the gospel reading yeah. now I'm, I'm i'm probably i must admit i'm more familiar with the Matthian um uh, uh capturing of the desert yeah. story of his temptation uh than i am with the lucan account yeah uh, but i was i was having sort of breezed through the lucan account i realized um Full of the spirit, and then you have to encounter the devil. Mm. Um, how how does what what is the writer trying to give us here? Now, from a human perspective, and as a Christian, if I'm full of the love of God, 
Does that mean temptations are not going to come near me? Am I protected from the, the tidal waves of life, the tsunamis that are out there, or in desert shape, the dryness of life, mm. the emptiness of life? Um, you know, in the deserts, there's, there's, there's uh, haunting sounds when the wind blows or whatever it is. Um, could I go into the world, engaging the world with, with what am I then prepared with? In other words, what am I full of? You know, uh, when before I leave the house right now, I pull my my stomach with 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 breakfast. Yeah, because I have to take medication, and that's how I approach my day. But I'm also full of the prayer that I was going that I said at the beginning of my. Day, um, because without that, I feel really lost. I've tested that, and I could actually feel that when I pray the vestry prayer, that I'm not really as full as I'd like to be in order to to give substance to the vestry prayer in, in order for me to do the service. So, so we have Luke helping us to understand Jesus is led by the Spirit because he was full of the Spirit. And we then have to take this right back to the time that he was baptized. And at the baptism, we we heard both the voice of the Father from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. And then we have the descent of the Spirit in a dove form um, to, to come upon Jesus as the anointed one. Now, so so the Spirit is present within I was I was talking the other day in the devotion on Thursday around a text that um, that was written in Corinthians, second letter to the Corinthians. Paul said that this God who um, lets light shine in darkness, as um, as it were, filled our lives with light. So that we can see his face. We can see God in the face of Jesus. And I recall this filling experience when I had the scopes. Something went into me. Something mm. protruded into my being. Uh, that I was, I was uh, anesthetized. I felt nothing and I knew nothing. All I just heard them saying is 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, um, and the launch was on. So I don't think the words led would just be there without the word full. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. And, and it was very interesting that, that Luke puts in between returned from the Jordan. Hmm. And, and the Jordan has a significant historical role in the salvation history of Israel. It was a crossover point uh, into a place now having become the covenanted people. They were yeah. now entering into the new land, uh, a new land. But where they were going into, there were going to be challenges that would face them. And they were still slave in their mindsets. Yeah. And, the, and they had not yet integrated the covenant into their lives. With Jesus, the spirit, the, 
the fullness of the Spirit was in him, and so could lead him into the encounters he will make leading up to the cross. And so I don't see the Spirit as some someone outside of Jesus, leading yeah. Jesus. I see the Spirit as, as the presence of God within Jesus, and now motivating and directing him from the inside in his mind and thinking, in his emotions and his feelings, mm. uh, in that inner part of his world that would move him into the direction that he ought to be going. And, mm. uh, and, and, and who else but the presence of God can help us encounter what the world is full of? Yeah, mm. yeah, you know, so that's how I understand uh, that being well, led. You kind of jumped the gun a bit. Uh, we will I get. So we will so get sorry. to the promised land. We will get to the promised land. Okay. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, but I, 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 just, I just want to circle back to something that that you that you did say of like this idea of being full of the spirit, um, and not and thinking that you then would not be tempted. Where I think a lot of Christians, and I mean, I, I speak obviously from a very secular, very agnostic mindset. Um, I, I feel that there's a problem uh, where a lot of Christians feel that if they fill themselves up with the spirit, I, I'll, I'll actually center this, uh, center my frustrations on kind of what gets taught in a lot of the religious led um, rehab clinics, where it's this idea that if you fill someone up with the spirit and the love for Jesus, that it will displace um, any of the like evils and the temptations and therefore they will not relapse because they are so full of, but it's like, unfortunately we have holes in our skin um, <laughs> that we lose moisture through. Um, and there's, there's no universe that you can imagine where if you believe that there is an evil force out there that is out to get you and to win you for, its power. There's no universe that it ever leaves. So I'm thankful enough that I, I don't believe in like those kind of external forces. So I believe that all of the evil exists with inside me and I need to constantly be confronting it and improving my relationship to it so that it does not overwhelm me. But yeah, when you believe that there's a devil, an evil, a Satan that is tempting you from the outside. It doesn't matter how much spirit you have inside you. That's always going to come for you. I think, you know, there, there is a, a great debate about the personification of evil. Yeah. And, and therefore the presence of the devil. I think there are people that will take us back to uh, apocalyptic writings where mm. the devil was the one that was the light, a light, angel of light and thrown on because he's rebellion. All to try and understand how did evil come into the world? Yeah. Uh, you go back to Genesis 6, you know, the fallen sons of God um, and how they how evil came into the world because they had copulated with the, the daughters on earth and that's how evil had come in. But remember, while scripture is, 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 is inspired in terms of the writings, um, we were, it was human writers also who had reflected and studied and 
you know, sat together, learning from each other, who eventually needed to tell a story in terms of giving people guidance. And, um, and, and so we look at those stories today and maybe we think that having uh, developed uh, a lot of our thinking and our philosophy, although much of what we say, we always reflect back to the past of what has been said. Yes. So you have those wise philosophers, like early on we spoke of Plato, talking about music. Uh, not a current guy who was given, or a woman who has given us some inspiration around that, so we still have to look for that or get somebody to write this thing. But I think that as we, as we, just as you were speaking, I said, okay, sure. So Jesus did say, uh, 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 the, the evil is not the food you eat that goes into your body, mm. but it's what's in your heart that comes up. Mm. So in the heart is deception. And you and I, you spoke, and you and I spoke about ego and all of that inside mm. of us. And when somebody is deceived enough on the inside, then brings out into the open, into the outside, an action or a or a words that would therefore then become destructive behavior uh, that endangers people, that victimizes people, mm. that injures people, that kills people. Um, uh, right now, the one who's on the map is Mr. Putin, you know, mm. and, 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 and now Mr. Putin has also tried, if, if the reports are correct, he's tried to demonize the president of the Ukraine and 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 Ukraine as being a racist country. Mm. Uh, remember, there's now the issue of the African folk yeah. who are stuck there and they're not allowed to get out of the country, but the ones who are from Ukraine are fleeing their own country. So so when 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 people have allowed deception to get the better of them on the inside, and then that spills over into the corrupt behavior, and when um, and 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 I mean. There's this lust for power in us. There's the lust for power over others. There's the greed that we have. If we, if if those things are within us and they deceive us enough, evil is personified in action, mm. in words, and so it therefore comes up. That is why there are laws that our country would describe. You you can't do this. I mean, driving more than sixty. Um, or, or let's the, the cutest one I know is you're allowed to drive from the Blackheath Butscorp turn off towards just just before the curb at Peniel. Mm-hmm. You like to, to drive past the cemetery at 100 miles kilometers an hour, but just as you get past the fence, it's 70 because that that hill will kill you. Mm. That bend ahead of you will kill you and kill others. And it has taken lives there already. But if you deceived enough to say, man, I'm going to make it at 100. You deceived enough without realizing that the bend itself was created in such a way that you're not supposed to do the 100 there. No car will be able to do unless... You are such a skilled driver that even then you are setting yourself up, but you're also going to kill others. Mm. So I think this deception within us is very real. Uh, the doubts of who we are 
about ourselves is 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 within us. Mm. But we have enough things around us that the eye sees and the ear hears that cause us to believe the doubts. Yeah. That will, you know, give deception a great sense in us. Now, is there a figure around that we don't see or that I think in the writings of Ephesians, it's described as the the powers of the air. I had, a, I had an American friend that would see the powers of the air as being the, 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 the media waves that are, uh, you know, um, influencing the airwaves and so propaganda goes yeah. out through that medium. So there are lots of influences. So now what is within us that gives deception such power within us, within our beings? Mm. What is it that is so muddled up on the inside that we have no sense of fullness of good, fullness of the presence of the one who created us and blew his breath into us, for the one who embodied our humanity and died so that we can be forgiven of this deception. Mm. Father, forgive me. Mm. I keep wondering what Jesus really meant when he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that, that you... Yeah. It's interesting that you, 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 you highlight the, that perception was the deception um, within ourselves. Like if you break it down to a, a very simple example, it's like, I'm married to a beautiful woman. There are many beautiful women in the world. I see beautiful women every day, uh, be it on social media or out in the actual streets, like in person, meet them, talk to them. Sometimes it's easy to break my vow to my wife because I see a beautiful woman. But then it's deceptive to think, to myself, to think that that relationship, that encounter will add value to my life over what I already have. So it's like I then, it's almost an unconscious decision at this point where it's like I'm not going to jeopardize the relationship I have with my wife and the promises and contract and vows that we have made, that I have made, the commitments that I have made, um, where a lot of men decide otherwise because they're lying to themselves that they can maybe keep it a secret, no one will find out, or it's only this one time, and then it happens a couple of times after that. Yeah, it's 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 that's interesting that that you that you zeroed in on that that deception thing. But isn't it isn't it interesting that the way that you quoted it was is an inner narrative, this debate yeah. going on in the inside. Um, and when you, I just went to look up on the word deception, and the dictionary.com says is the act or, or practice of deceiving. And then it goes on to say lying, misleading, or otherwise hiding or distorting the truth. Mm. I can do none of those things to you if they're not really being done inside of me. Mm. Which is where, where you say the battleground is gone, gone out. Yeah. And so yeah. does the temptation of Jesus uh, make gives him does it does it and the desert uh, the, the the desert environment 
give give us the picture that whilst it seemed to have been on the outside, in his human form, Jesus on our behalf was battling with what was going on the inside of humanity, mm. but now mm-hmm. filled with the Spirit, there was some there was some something in him that helped him to counter every form of deception and doubt that would come up in terms of the broken humanity that he embraced, mm. the, the humanity that turned its back on on God. Um, and on fellowship with God, which is how we read the the Genesis passage. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it is then, is it deceptive to look for um, the personification of evil outside of us uh, than to to say, um, when, when <laughs> ah, this is interesting. When we say in the liturgy, let us call to mind and confess our sins, yeah. We are not talking at that stage there about the devil who forced us into sin. The devil made me do it. We are saying, let us call to mind and confess our sin. When we mm. read Psalm 51, which is a psalm used as an entry into the Lenten experience, David says, have mercy upon me, Lord, for I have sinned. Mm. So he is not blaming an outside force who, 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 who as, as Hansi said, the devil made me do it. Mm. Uh, but he's, he's taking responsibility for the fact that he, uh, that on the inside something has happened. So when Jesus embodies our humanity in its brokenness, in its state of God, um, but he's full of the spirit of the Lord to then counter what the distortion of that, that the brokenness in us brings to us. Mm. Because look, there's mm. always that roving question that you and that you and I and people have generally. Who am I? Mm. Why mm. am I here? And why do I why do I act like this? Why do I say these things? Um, and so, you know, is something in me that's asking these questions of uncertainty mm-hmm. about me, or is it something on the outside of me that's doing all of this? So, 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 you know, is there a devil? Well, we lean on scriptures to try and find that out. Did Jesus and what was Jesus encountering then in the in the what's name? Is there a, a force out there that we don't really can't really see, but but is already, as it were, casting the doubts that that you and I have, creating the deceptions within us? And is this because of the environment in the world? Is it because we create a world with human brokenness, where mm. um, power, greed, corruption, and all that's is sort of written in the humans, the human uh, um, structure, and then everything we do from the vision of power means we're doing right. So even the laws we write, so far we've had to listen to the law and how it's interpreted, but we haven't touched on even the morality of laws that are written. Mm. Apartheid was right in F.W. the Clerk's father's mind, 
But what was the morality of that law? Mm. There is no morality there. But they believed it had because they yeah. tried to find scriptures that they could maneuver. So now, did the devil make them do that? Mm. Or was it their own fears that white people will be exonerated from the earth soon? Was it, uh, you know, the deception that unless we, uh, you know, trinicht, if you, sh if you share power, you lose power. <laughs> These were scholars. These were scholars that produced this kind of thing. Uh, when, we they preach, were. when we preaching, and Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was he saying? To, when we started as Wednesday, we said, remember, dust you unto dust, you shall return. And when you came up to receive the dust, we said, turn away from your sins and believe the good news. Is there any blaming of a devil in all of that? Mm. Mm. But it's easy how people are deceived. These prophets that are claiming all kinds of magic stuff and powers that God gives them. I have listened very carefully to some of the deception, the de deception going on there. So um, this lady goes to the, the prophet uh, because she's feeling very uneasy. She has, you know, been sacked from her work for something she had done. And so she's given a payout. Yeah. Now she's looking for a way forward for her life. Mm. I mean, I can understand being caught out and now you have to face the music. So what, she, what she's told is that apparently if you go to this prophet, he will try and he knows everything about your life. He's going to try and sort you out. What's the mm. first thing he says to her when he comes? Um, uh, you need to, the, the devil has soiled the money that you have received yeah. because people are jealous about you. Now, I can clean that money for you and you can have the full benefit of it. Mm. But there's a process. You're going to have to come and stay in an hotel that I will book for you for five days. And in that days, I will pick you up every day and you will then draw 30,000 rand out a day till the, the 200 is finally paid over. Mm. Okay, so now the 200,000 is paid over. So what he does next? Deception grows. And he says, man, the only way I'm going to be able to clean this is that I need to get a bag from Limpopo. Mm. It's got the special mechanisms to ensure that the devil is able to get out of the money, to clean the money because the devil has soiled it. But I need another 10 grand for you to do it. Yeah. That's when she realizes or the red flags have amounted to too much. Here's deception. Now, what's her, re, what's her recourse to all of this? She now has to go and report a crime. Yeah. But this man was a prophet. And I said to her, I said, yeah, we started with those beautiful words to you, and you affirm it with me when we say at the beginning of our services, the Lord with you but you're running to people who are telling you the devil is busy in your life not how much god is is busy w what was the story here? jesus was full of the holy spirit who led him to deal with the journey i suppose of self 
the, the journey yeah. of deception and doubt. The people who yeah. proclaim they're men of God steal your money and they're still men of God. <laughs> mm. uh, but it's, uh, That's of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting the way, like, because obviously the gospel for, for this Sunday is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Um, but it's interesting the way that the Matthew um, narrative, which is the one that's most cited as far as I, I can see, like in, in my research, where it starts with, um, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting yeah. for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So that then it sets it up as he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the devil approached him in his weakened state. Then Mark says, at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. So there's like some outside help um, while he was facing the devil for like the full 40 days. Um, and then Luke comes in, he's like, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. So it's, it's just like, tiny differences in the narrative that make a big difference. Like just tiny little variations where Matthew says that he was in a weakened state after the 40 days of not eating, where Luke is like, nah, this homie was there all the time working like in, in the, and like it, it doesn't, it doesn't change the meaning to me, obviously, because I, I just read this as a very entertaining story. I mean, there is still a lot of debate whether this is a historical account or whether this is a metaphor for something, um, for, for, for something else. Because obviously they would have only met him afterward. Am I, am I not? Yeah. So. Yeah, because I think um, most of, of this happened after his baptism, the disciples yes. would only have been called after this. Yeah. Um, and so Jesus's incarnation happens and age 30 he comes onto the scene publicly, although Luke has an account of him visiting the temple with his parents at age 12. Yeah. Um, now, of course, Mark is the first gospel that was written. And the account was from St. Peter. Mark records Peter's story about Jesus. But the essence of Mark writing would be a little bit more swifter because there was the expectation of the parousia of Jesus, the coming back of, of Jesus. Mm. So um, that was the expected time. Then you can actually see Mark's gospel doesn't end on a rounded note, so there's an editorial to the 16th chapter. Um, Mark's gospel ends on the eighth verse of, of, of the chapter, whereas then there's an editorial, as you to say, this was the impact of Jesus, yeah. the resurrected yeah. one, on the ministry of the disciples and of those who will follow him. Um, Matthew and Luke's account seems almost almost um, 
to have taken from St. Mark a little bit of, of its essence. And I think it's yeah. important to draw to draw what why why the distinctions are there. As you say, there's not many of them. Um, because remember, they all wrote it at a different time. Yeah. Um, and they were all people uh, connected to a community. So a um, community of believers. So people often forget any historical account starts with an oral tradition. Mm. And one person's way of telling the story and another person's way of telling the story would be different because each one would have seen things through a different lens. And so when captured, they will obviously be differences. But there are very significant uh, um, similarities, which mm -hmm. does give us a sense, therefore, that why would all three synoptic gospels, because John wrote much later, why would all three synoptic gospels have this story in it? Why is the necessary account for them to tell us that soon after his baptism, Jesus now has to face the enemy in this kind of manner? Um, was this was this the war that will take place on the cross? Where it may seem as if at death Jesus had lost the battle. Hmm. Is his temptation just so bad that it even gets God to hang on a cross to die? Hmm. And is overcoming temptations just so simple as knowing how to quote scripture? Can we hmm. just um, can we do can we can we defend ourselves against the inner temptations that we are faced with through fullness of the spirit within us, leadership of the spirit who is within us, that as we face our demons, if one could say it like that, we face it not on our own, but with the help of God within us, the very life of God within us, the very presence and power of God within us, in order then to also have learned scripture enough to counter things that are challenging in our lives. Was this the, was this the precursor to the battle on the cross when Jesus could say, um, uh, Jesus said to him, Mark's, uh, was it Mark or Matthew that said, uh, he said to the devil, get behind me. Hmm. I, I forget. The Luke and the account says, when the devil had finished every test. So in a way, Luke says, this temptation experience Jesus had was so holistic. There was nothing more he could be tested on. Everything that was tried, uh, he could counter. The devil departed from him until an opportune time. Why did he put it like that? And why is it that it ends there? One, one commentator says, though the lectionary doesn't include verse 14 and 15 of that chapter, it is a way in which, um, a way in which it does seem to round of his, he says here, these verses are not in the lectionary 14 and 15. What it says, 
Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread, and he taught their synagogues before being glorified by all. This was the, 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 the experience that is written, and whether that was a late reflection on just how did Jesus come out of all of this? The devil had departed and so on, and there was an opportune time. So there was going to be another match coming up further along the line. Mm. The, 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 the final trophy has not yet been won. There's going to be another time when this will happen. Calls it an opportune time. Mm. Um, uh, this was one, the one who faced this uh, temptation. Uh, he still recognizes the one in whom the power of the Spirit of God is at work. And in the narrative starts with his return to Jordan. Now his return to Galilee mm. gives us an, another movement of his. But he, what he does there, he teaches. He's now teaching. His, his work has begun. But then it says here, it's a fitting end to this passage. And verse 1 says, Luke said Jesus was full of the Spirit. Verse 14 says, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Verse 14 seems to like, to like a recap of the verses that preceded it. So it ended off, on a, as it were, almost on a victorious note. Mm. And yet verse 13 says, the devil was going to come back again at another time. Yeah. The battle was not over. When will this battle ever be over? Is the question. Uh, uh, where, uh, where? 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 You know, you and I spoke earlier about the ebbs and flows in our lives. When will the sea rest? When will this? When will there be no more storms? And where the sea becomes just a gentle lake within us? Uh, when we. Give up the idea that somebody controls the sea and somebody is making a turbulent to test us. <laughs> well, something is doing it, but is it only scientific understanding that captures that, or is it the phenomenon of faith in a creator? It is the chaos of nature. And who <laughs> is the one that embodies the dynamism of nature. That is not for us to ponder. We must only be confronted and experience what is happening. It's foolish well, I... to try and ponder the, the, how do I phrase this? <laughs> the origin of the force behind it, or at least to consider that the forces have some otherworldly origin. So why then am I, have I developed an ability or a curiosity about the mystery? Because we are all curious. So why is it bad to be curious about who is the who behind all the what? No, uh, uh, you see, I I didn't choose my words precisely <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, what what I want to say is, um, speaking more to the arrogance that because we can see how we can influence the world, and it's another form of deception, actually. 
that we assume that something like us with our motivation is controlling the greater kind of scene. Well, I'm not on about the controlling. I'm on about the dynamic creativity of life. No, but you see, you're because positing no, the, the identity I'm... of the person, of, of, the, of the being that is controlling everything. Well, if creation, in my view, is a relational dynamic, mm. then there must be relationships throughout of, re of nature. Mm. And if so, then who is the one starting the relationship? These are things we can ponder for a very, very long time. Uh, let's let's bring the conversation <laughs> back to more in line with what's presently happening. Uh, so the first read is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Sorry, I butchered it the first time. Um, Twenty-six verses one to eleven. I'm going to take you down to. Verse 6, the Egyptians treated us harshly and forced us to work as slaves. Then we cried out for help to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard us and saw our suffering, hardship and misery. By his great power and strength, he rescued us from Egypt. He worked miracles and wonders and caused terrifying things to happen. He brought us here and gave us this rich and fertile land. Huh. So the problem that I have with this promised land idea is think of it from the Egyptian perspective. The Egyptians also believed some crazy thing. And they obviously believed that they were somehow entitled to having slaves. So now you have another group of people who believe that they are entitled to a piece of land because some higher power had led them there. Equally crazy, would you not say? Well, I would ask the question is, why is there this thing within human beings to believe? Hmm. That would be my question. Why, why am I prone to believe? I often check faith and trust when hmm. I look at a baby. A baby doesn't see faces and colors. It may see shapes. It sees color, but it doesn't recognize, you know, as it begins to relate. But the presence, the intimacy, coming back to my thesis on relationships, hmm. um, the relating between the child and the mother, particularly, and the child and the father, which is a different way in which the child, I think, begins to understand who they can trust with their fragile lives as the world begins to become a little more, more clearer. But mm -hmm. as mommy who loves the baby so much and daddy who loves the baby so much interacts with that child through sounds and through words and through music, through cuddling and hugging and all of that, that child begins to identify, although, I mean, I'm not so sure about you because I'm not so sure about myself. Does the child actually first say Dada or 
these are just sounds that the child is making that sounds like it's speaking daddy as the first word. You know, we marvel at that. Oh, the child yeah. is speaking and he's calling on his dad. Well, how do you know that? Because from our world, it sounds like that. Yeah. And so we are now interpreting it as that. So now you find this mystery about the child then associates itself or mm-hmm. herself with, with mommy and with daddy, the feeding at the breast, the feeding with the bottle, that all that care builds up a relationships of trust to the, now because I'm trying to think, you know, the umbilical cord was cut. So how does the biology now work? The connection of the biology. Hmm. Now goes into, not hmm. nine months you were connected to the umbilical cord, but for the rest of your life, you connected in other ways yeah. that far, far deeper than an umbilical cord connection. So I ask myself this question. So what is faith and trust? Maybe God is, my creator is like that mother and father whose shape I don't always see, whose face I don't know. But what I hear and what I feel and how I feel it, and we know babies cry. Babies say when they are suffering through their crying. Mm. And somebody responds to, to quiet us down, to give us confidence, to trust them. So we even fall asleep. Is that for me the kind of understanding of faith I have in a God who's mystery? But now, that's within powerful, therefore we are entitled to have slaves. If we can beat these people and enslave them, that means our God must be far more better than their God. Yeah. But then there's this narrative, the sonification of God in human terms, the uh, 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 um, anthropologicalizing God in human terms. So how do people interpret Miracles and wonders rescue um, from and then being led into a space where we can say now this is God's gift to us. Hmm. How does faith really work? And we have the we have it in us. Hmm. But now This comes at great cost to those who already are living in that fertile and rich land. I remember doing in a a certificate on Bible course through Stellenbosch University, a course that reflected on this narrative. Mm. And a Native American theologian was asking the question, how am I supposed to read this narrative Mm. in the land my people lived on and the way we lived on the land was not that we owned it um we were willing to share but it was a it was taken from us people died as a result how do i interpret this how do i celebrate the exodus that really makes me think Mm. and then comes back to our own apartheid experience 
even though the anthropologists now and the paleontologists have understood that all humanity comes from Africa. Mm. We've had narratives written in the historical annuals that says our land was stolen. Mm -hmm. That um, we never had education because the colonialists came to educate us. We had no God, so they came to give us a God. Yeah. How do we read this narrative? And that's the that's the conflict that exists within me when it comes to this. Like I, I in my notes I I termed it the the problem with the promised land. It's that idea that that entitlement that lives through generations. Like it's living on now. Like you are entitled to a piece of land that you travel to as a refugee. What about the people who were there? You know, yeah, and yeah. then like I, I try to take a kind of meta view on it, where it's that that is baked into my personal moral code or ethical code of like the other person has the same rights to believe whatever crazy stuff they want to, because you believe that you have the right to believe whatever crazy things you want to, and. From the Egyptian perspective, this was a great loss. Um, yeah. And then it becomes like a war of ideologies where even now in the Ukraine-Russia conflict, you look at it from Putin's perspective and not so much, I was going to say the Russian perspective, but my father-in-law did correct me earlier um, today where I was kind of relating it to my daughter because she was asking the why. Um, from Putin's perspective, he is looking at an aging population where the birth rate has declined year on year since 1991, since the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, within a decade, you will not have enough personnel to staff an army to counter any NATO threat. Um, so, like, he didn't have, like, this was his window of opportunity. If he was going to act and try and push the NATO front line, away from his direct borders across the entire country of Ukraine, because um, Ukraine is threatening to join NATO, which is an existential threat for the Russian economy. Um, and like why he sees Crimea and Donetsk as well was because they discovered offshore um, gas and oil uh, reserves. And in Ukraine, there are gas and oil reserves as well. So Ukraine is threatening Russia's economics, because like a third of their GDP is energy exported. Um, so if Ukraine suddenly starts becoming a big player, then Germany's going to buy from them, and then the, 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 the Russian economy starts shrinking rapidly. So these are all existential threats. Like, of course, he was going to take the opportunity to write the path to the future um, to protect his country. So it's easy to see from a Putin perspective why he needs this conflict, why he needs Ukraine. Um, and then obviously Moldova is going to be next so he can push that front line with NATO even further back. So like when you, and, and I was telling my daughter this morning, you have to view it from the other side, from the other person's perspective to get like a holistic kind of idea of what the way forward would be. You know, I, 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 my response is this. Their starting point about what was given to them yeah. became a nationalistic 
ideology. Mm. But they went into this new land with a slave mentality where they had nothing into what they understood was given to them as God's gift. Therefore, it was for them alone, right? Mm. But the covenant did not influence their thinking, which if it had, they would have gone in there with a different set of understanding what gift was. The covenant said, you will be my holy people, my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And how was that holy nation and kingdom of priests? What was the school them in how they were to go? So for 40 years, roaming around, learning absolutely nothing and moaning. Yeah. And now yeah. crossing over into the, and it's interesting that we have Luke's account of Jesus going between Jordan and Galilee, both um, epics of sea narrative, of water narrative, mm. of crossing over narratives, of returning and so on. Um, I think that Israel missed the opportunity to truly school themselves in, in, in covenant narrative, in covenant reality. And what they call was, because then they would have gone in with a different perception of how they ought to be in that land gifted to them with the message of covenant. That's my first response. The second response is, how does the ideology of ancestralism influence our thinking? Now, in my previously disadvantaged state, I had no sense of what ancestors meant, except my grandparents and their parents. Our narratives are not as, as determinedly integrated in our lives as, let's say, the Khosas were mm. and the Zulus were, the yeah. indigenous folk of our country. Um, so their appeal to their ancestors would be. Interestingly enough, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm. Abram was a wandering Aramean. His father mm. was a wandering Aramean. God called him to be the father of faith. So what really is the, the, the influence of the ancestors here? It is the God of their ancestors, the, per, the persons of faith. And, and how much of all of that did they really know? Or was this another way in which they could exploit power after being enslaved? Mm. So we need to explore these two ideas. And for me, as I read this narrative, into the account of uh, he brought us here and gave us this rich and fertile land. What does he gave us mean? Did he put it into our hands and said it's only for you? Or did he put it in their hands to say, now whoever is there, I want you to work with them. Mm. I want you through the covenant to build a better way where people will not be enslaved. What did Israel do? Mm. Did the opposite to what our law. So that is my response. Uh, and the same thing I would say for our nation. Mm. What were we looking for 
during the times of apartheid, we're looking for justice and peace, and we were looking for democracy. Mm. And we, we, we looked at Nelson Mandela's speech in the trial as a guiding principle. Mm. But did we embody that? No sense of the kind of world that uh, that our Western spoke about and believed in and was imprisoned for because all that we hear these days is nepotism, corruption, um, uh, self-aggrandizement, mm. um, the poor gets poorer. So it's the same thing that, and it comes down to this. So, so this deception within us, um, and we listen to voices of deception on the outside that influence our narrative, yeah, inside, and makes us guilt-free yeah. when we do the corruption. What do they say? Well, the whites. Why are you doing? Mm. You know, that kind of thing. So I think we, 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 we have to look and relook at all, at all, the, all, all this. I also want to touch on that, if I may, for a moment. You mm -hmm. use the word promised land. You know how, how, how misused, in my view, the promise of God is yeah. in the minds of these so-called prophets and people? And keeping God to his word. Yeah. At that what would one say um, the, the, the determination to hold God hostage to what we think he said in scripture? Mm. Um, when his word is to be read, discerned, and understand what message comes forth from it, they are looking at the point of view and say, he said it, hold him to it. Yeah. Is that the kind of relationship that I want with God? No. Because that's not what. Um, so, and I think that this narrative he brought us here. Right? He brought us here. We didn't come on our own. So what, what do we have to do? We just take it as we, as we want it because he brought us here. He gave it to us. But there's responsibility to all of it. Mm. And I think that responsibility <laughs> is in the covenant that they should have to be learning and exercising. Mm. No, definitely. Uh, but I think that's a great way to end uh, this discussion. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's, about, it's about living those values. It's about taking personal responsibility. It's about confronting the abyss. It's about listening to your own voice of discernment. Um, and of course, our voice of discernment will be um, on a break for two weeks uh, while you and your body recovers from um, the trials that lay ahead of you. Um, and yeah, I, I just want to say thank you very much again for, for a fantastic conversation. I got a lot off my chest. Even I think the internet connection died because um, the Russians were listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. If there's anything you want to share um, with, with the listeners uh, <laughs> ahead of these two weeks, um, please go ahead and please call us together with the, the collective prayer as well. Thank you very much, Lindsay.
Let us pray. The prayer is on the screen. Please pray it with me. God of mercy, Jesus found assurance in your word. Strengthen us to persevere faithfully as we confront the temptations of life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.